Hey now, heading into the weekend, and as you know, March Madness is officially over, but there still is a way for you to cash in at mybookie.ag. MyBookie, if you have not signed up yet, it's not too late. In fact, now is the perfect time to sign up because you can lay down some money and score big on lots of different things. Baseball, hockey, almost whatever you want. Join thousands of online players right now and start betting at mybookie.ag. I'll tell you why. You might be sick and tired of getting the runaround when you ask for a payout. That's the worst, right? Join my bookie, and that's not what's going to happen to you. This is why I'm telling you to make your way to my bookie because when you win, they pay. You're wasting your time if you're betting anyplace else. Do it now, and my bookie will match your first deposit with a 50% bonus. Use the promo code JUNGLE to activate that offer. Visit mybookie.ag. Win, get paid with mybookie.ag. Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. What the hell happened in New York yesterday at the UFC 223 presser? I mean, I know what happened, but I really don't know actually what happened. Let me set the stage for you. UFC 223, media day, taking place at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. At some point, Conor McGregor, and according to Dana White, approximately 20 guys were let into the building by Mac Life employees, and then they, quote, stormed the building. Somehow these guys end up on a loading dock, looking for a bus carrying fighters on the UFC 223 card. In particular, they were looking for Habib, who had been an incident with McGregor's teammate and friend, Artem Loboff, earlier in the week. They find the bus, and then they do what any rational, multi-multi-millionaire world champion would do. They start chucking objects at the bus, including a hand dolly and what appeared to be a security gate. I mean, what? (laughs) What? You expect this guy to fly all the way from Ireland to New York and not try to run a gate or a dolly through a window of the bus? I mean, come on. You know better than that. But apparently, Conor McGregor did not. So let me repeat that for you one more time. Conor McGregor, the double champ and face of the entire sport, was joined by a group of 20 goons. Not my word, Dana White's. 20 goons. And they were seen firing a hand dolly at the bus carrying UFC fighters. And as you might imagine, Dana was pissed. What happened here today is Conor and approximately 20 guys apparently were led in through the doors by the MacLife guys who were uh, credentialed here. They opened the doors for them through an entrance. They stormed the building, got down to the uh, loading docks where the fighters were getting on the buses and started to attack um, the buses, throwing trash cans and uh, dollies and things like that. Broke one of the windows, cut Michael Chiesa really bad. Um, he He cut his head, he cut his face. Rose Namajunas apparently was almost hit. She's super upset right now and basically left and walked back to the hotel. You know, and, and obviously everybody's shaken up when 30 thugs storm a, you know, these guys are all cutting weight and getting ready for a fight. This is the most disgusting thing that has ever happened in the history of, of the company. There is a warrant out for Conor McGregor's arrest. They're looking for him right now. His plane cannot take off. He cannot leave the state of New York. With this warrant, he'll be grounded, and uh, I'm assuming eventually, if they don't catch him, he'll turn himself in. All right, so goons, thugs, and it's the most disgusting thing that's ever happened to that company. 
So if you're like me, you're probably looking for even more intel about Connor going thug life on that bus. You know, he attacked the bus. Listen, I, he's got some beef with Khabib because of the Artem thing that went down. You don't, you don't come into Barclays Center, attack people that are in a bus who are fighting the next day. These, these, these goons are throwing, uh, you know, bike racks and chairs and things like that through the windows of the bus and didn't care who they hit or who they hurt. I mean, that description, goons, that is such an awesome word, unless it's to describe the most important person in your business, goons. We're talking about a sport, MMA, a combat sport, and he's thugging and gooning them, and he's right. These goons were throwing bike racks. So again, here we are in day two of the Masters, and what we should be talking about should be Jordan Spieth, Tony Finau, maybe even Khabib Holloway, and there is an update on that fight as well, and it's not good. But instead, we're talking about Connor v. a bus. It's unreal. It's completely and utterly insane. But anyway, back to the mess at hand. A bus window was shattered. Multiple fighters suffered injuries. Three fights on tomorrow's card have been canceled as a result. Michael Chiesa and Ray Borg pulled from their fights because of cuts to the face and eyes, respectively. Loboff ripped from his fight because of his role in the melee itself. Oh, and then there's the fact... And if you're watching on CBS Sports Network, you see the video. Then there's the fact that Connor spent the night in police custody at the 78th precinct after being arrested and is facing those three counts of misdemeanor assault and one count of felony, felony criminal mischief. This guy came out cuffed. Silver bracelets behind his back. I mean, fantastic, right? This is a guy who has made so much money for himself and for the company because he was so good at everything, promoting and fighting, and he just cost himself a ton of dough. Stacks. And how about your professional relationship with Connor? Not good. I, I, I think that after this disgusting, despicable move, I think everybody's relationship with Connor is going to be not so great. Even the police officer who came... To, to me about this is like God. I was a fan of his too. Not anymore. I mean, this is this is the type of bad decision you make that that turns a lot of people off. Yeah, Dana White's always said, whenever I ask Dana White about Conor McGregor, no matter what's going on in McGregor's life, Dana's response generally is, "Hey, look, I love the kid. I love the kid. If you know me in this show, you know I love the guy. This is a huge Conor McGregor house. But I can't stress this enough. That was one of the dumbest, most moronic." ridiculous things I have ever seen in my life. A champion, a guy on top of his sport, storming a press conference and attacking a bus with a hand dolly. I mean, that's more insane than he was firing or when he was firing off those water bottles into a crowd at a previous presser. More insane than Fan Man. Maybe even more insane than my man Larry Holmes jumping off of a car to dropkick Trevor Burbick. And I never thought that anything would run down that video. But this does. This tops that because of how dangerous this was. Because you've got the baddest man in the game running a hand dolly through a window of a bus. And then spending the night in jail because of it. Nice job, Connor. Well done, Connor. Really well done. Oh, and to this point, no, that was not staged. That was not Conor McGregor doing Conor McGregor things. That was not to promote a fight. That was not to create content for his media empire. That was not him building a brand. That was straight stupidity. Criminal behavior. I mean, and again, why the hell did this guy come from Ireland to Brooklyn? To get a piece of Khabib for disrespecting one of his teammates? 
I mean, really? Is that guy that out of control? Again, not some press conference bullcrap to promote and sell a fight, which was Dana White's point. You want to fight this guy? Fight this guy. Get in the cage and fight this guy. But instead of fighting him, he's trying to fight a bus. Like he was going to crack the bus with a hand dolly and then jump on top of that bus and start raining hammer fist down on it. Brilliant, Connor. And it's going to cost him a lot of dough. You want to show how much of a badass you are, Connor? Then fight the guy in the cage, not through the window of the bus. I mean, Connor's always been the guy who says, anywhere, anytime. I will fight anyone, anywhere, anytime, any weight. Let's do this. Yeah, so go ahead and do it. Because that was the worst place at the worst possible time. Bad for him, bad for the UFC, and a big pain in the ass for Dana White because his biggest star is imploding, and now he's got to deal with all of this and all these canceled fights on the eve of a big promotion. And again, finally, what the hell was this guy thinking? What was he doing? It makes no sense. At one point yesterday, Dana said, I don't know if he's on drugs or what. You know, in a way, I hope he is. I hope he is, because that would explain him going brain dead the way he did. Because other than being on drugs, I've got no idea why that guy would do something that stupid. Ariel Helwani is my guest. Ariel, it's great to have you in the jungle. What's up? How are you? Jim, it is a pleasure. It's actually an honor listening to you for many, many years. Uh, it's about time you call me, Jim, and I wish it wasn't under these circumstances, but it's great to be on talking to you. Ariel, great to have you on. And in fact, I should have done this a lot sooner. I've been following your work for quite some time. You've done a great job in building your own personal brand. I should have done this sooner. This Friday episode of The Daily Jungle is brought to you by Fan Exchange. Listen, are you thinking about buying tickets to your favorite sports, concert, or theater event? Maybe this time you want to experience a basketball game courtside rather than sitting there on your couch. Or maybe you want to bang on the glass at a hockey game instead of on your TV in your living room. If that's the case, head on over to FanExchange.com for a safe, easy, and reliable experience. Tickets purchased on Fan Exchange are always guaranteed, so there's no getting to the gate and having to worry about how you're going to get in. Whether it's NBA, MLB, WrestleMania, Coachella, or a Broadway musical, Fan Exchange will get you right there close to the action. Find the very best seats at the best prices at fanexchange.com. You want to use the promo code Rome. The promo code Rome will get you 50% off the service fees on your next purchase. Fan Exchange, we have tickets. Now, let me ask you this. You were at Media Day for UFC 223 yesterday. Let me first ask, how was Media Day progressing, and then when did everything change? So, Media Day was pretty normal. Um, The rumor was that Conor was contemplating coming to Brooklyn for UFC 223, which is scheduled to take place. And by the way, if you're hearing people yell outside, um, the courthouse, which is where I'm standing, is unrelated. It's a protest going on unrelated to the Conor McGregor incident. So, I apologize if they're a little loud. I'm walking away from them as we speak, but uh, it, it was it was fairly normal. But there was sort of this cloud hanging over everything. Will Connor show up on Tuesday? One of Connor's best friends and his training partner, Artem Lobov, got into a bit of a skirmish with Khabib Nurmagomedov, who's at least as of this moment fighting in the main event tomorrow. But that's a crazy story. This is the craziest 24 hours in the history of the sport, Jim, and that's no hyperbole. We could get to that in a second. But anyway, they get into a skirmish on Tuesday. I told Connor saw the footage. That's when he decided, okay, I'm coming to Brooklyn, rallied his friends. They flew in late Wednesday, and then Thursday they came to the media day in search of Habib Nurmagomedov. They arrived at around uh, 1.20 p.m. Eastern time, so media day ended at 1. In fact, I was told that they were planning on actually crashing media day, but they were late. They just couldn't get up in time. So then they, they get to the arena at 1.20, the Barclays Center, 
Um, no one's there anymore. They find out that the fighters are at the loading dock. They go down the elevator, and then they see that there are the vans taking the fighters back to the hotel because Media Day was wrapping up. They, they, they spot Habib and his team in the van, and there's a bunch of other fighters in the van as well, and that's when the melee ensued. That's when the things were thrown. That's when Michael Chiesa and Ray Borg got injured, and that's the footage that you saw. Ariel Helwani joining us. Listen, I know that Connor and Lobov are close, but why would that be enough to get Connor and his whole crew to jump on a plane for New York? And do you have any idea what was going through Connor's mind yesterday? Okay, so Connor and Artem are supremely close. Uh, the, the Artem Habib situation revolves around Connor. Connor is very interested in the main event as it was supposed to be the original main event, Tony Ferguson versus Habib. Of course, you probably know that Ferguson injured his, his knee last week while doing interviews um, in, in the freakiest way possible. He tripped over a cord. I mean, that was the craziest part of the story, and now it's like the fifth craziest part of the story. And so he was interested and was contemplating coming to support his friend and also watch the fight. But then once he saw essentially uh, you know, his friend Artem cornered by uh, 10 or so Dagestani Russians, he said, okay, enough is enough. And, and he wanted to make clear that this wasn't any issue with the UFC, you know, the, the attack on the bus. He has been at odds with the UFC in the past, but this was 100% retaliation in their mind for what they did to Artem. Artem was there as a result. Dana White pulled Artem from the card. Michael Kiesa has been pulled from the card due to the laceration that he suffered on his face from the broken glass. Ray Borg was pulled from the card due to the uh, glass going into his eye, and, and he suffered uh, scratches in his cornea. I mean, this, so they lost three fights on a 13-fight card, and then this morning it was supposed to be Max Holloway stepping in to fight Khabib Nurmagomedov. He was deemed uh, medically unfit to fight. New York pulled him, and now they're searching for an opponent for Khabib Nurmagomedov. It's, it's, you cannot script this stuff. It's unbelievable. Ariel Helwani joining us. All right, so to that point, you cannot script this stuff. You cannot script this stuff. Help me make this argument, because I've been trying to make it for the past hour or so. It's not scripted. This was not a stage promotion. They didn't do this to try to create any interest. As you point out, Ariel, they lost three fights because of this. Why would Dana White or anybody stage this? Can you help me make that argument? Because a lot of the listeners and clones still aren't buying it. Jim, I'll try not to get too emotional talking about this, but, but, but with all due respect, if anyone is out there banging the drum that this is some kind of WWE storyline concocted by Conor McGregor and Dana White, who, by the way, aren't the best of friends, I mean, you've absolutely lost your mind. I am literally standing outside of a courtroom that Conor McGregor was brought to this morning in handcuffs. Do you think that he wanted this? Do you think this is all part of the plan? Do you think that the NYPD was a part of this whole story? I mean, where does, where does the line kind of end there? You know, if, if you're asking me, did Connor plan on going after Habib and, and creating this melee? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's what they came to do. They, it was very clear what they were trying to do. So if you want to say that's fine, okay, sure. But if you want to say that the UFC and Connor and Habib, they're all in cahoots to create some sort of Stone Cold Steve Austin, Vince McMahon storyline, I mean, have a little more respect for the sport that we cover. Yes, it's, it's a little circus-like at times. And, you know, yes, it can be a little freaky at times, as we're witnessing right now. But, but these are real athletes, and it's a real sport, and, and there's real injuries involved here. So uh, I, I have no doubt that if this fight comes to fruition, which in my opinion would be the biggest selling fight in the history of the sport, Habib versus Connor, they will use this footage like they used the John Jones-Daniel Cormier footage and that melee at MGM Grant. But right now, there is no one with a script in the back saying, oh, man, this is working out perfectly for us. No, thinking that that was staged is really idiotic. One more thought on that, and I thought you explained that very well. But do you think that maybe Connor went there with the intention of making a scene and then it just got away from him and it got out of hand? Or was this his intent all along? 
Look, I don't, I don't want to speak for him because I haven't had a chance to speak for him. I do know that he did have his personal photographer there. Um, you wouldn't recognize him, but I recognize him, and I've seen him in the footage, and he was holding a camera. So it, it, it's, it's not like they were trying to shy away from that. Also, as you saw, there's a ton of footage, and, and people have cell phones these days, but even like USC got footage, which I'm sure is going to come out at some point. So it wasn't like they were trying to hide. In fact, Khabib Nurmagomedov called me afterwards, um, and it was somewhat unexpected. It was from an unknown number, so he kind of caught me off guard. And he essentially said, you know, in his in his broken English, which is very compelling, hey, you know, we're in gangster country here. You want to talk to me? Tell me where you are. I'll come find you. Don't come with cameras. Don't come with your entourage. Don't come throwing things at me. If you want to talk, let's talk. Of course, that didn't happen. He also said he didn't want Connor to go to jail. He wants to actually fight him. Right. So what about that? He spoke to you after that went down, and you had Khabib on your show recently. For those who don't really know him, how would you describe him? And although you touched on it, what do you think that he makes of what happened yesterday? Okay, so he may not be a household name here in the United States, but believe me when I say he is a gigantic star in Russia, in Dagestan, where he's from. I mean, he cannot walk outside. That's how big of a star he is. I mean, he, I, I would equate him to someone like, say, LeBron James here in the United States. He is as big as it gets right now in, in Russia. And so he, can't, he, he, he doesn't have, like, he has to walk out with, with security. He enjoys coming to train in the United States. Oh, no, the, 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 uh, the protesters are coming after me now. Um, they're walking my direction. So uh, he, he is just a gigantic star. Uh, and, 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 and if... He is able to get a belt. If they can put a belt finally around his waist, he is 25-0. and 0. He has never lost a round in an official UFC or MMA fight. He has never lost a round in sparring. He has never lost a round in his gym. He is that dominant. He is like a lion in there. If you want to learn more about this guy, go check out his fight in December against Edson Barbosa. I've never seen a, a high-level fighter like Barbosa get mauled the way Khabib mauled him. There's footage of him at nine years old wrestling with a bear. That's how he would train. His, I mean, like legit footage of him as a nine-year-old wrestling with a bear with no fear he is stoic at times he is expressionless but he is our equivalent to say someone like triple g because of the way he talks because of the way he trash talks with the broken english you know, that eastern european accent people love him they adore him i would put him right now in the category of connor and nate diaz not quite at their level but right below in terms of the biggest stars and the biggest draw in this sport i mean this guy is a superstar waiting to break through he's just had horrible luck and once again, he has horrible luck here because he may not fight on Saturday because as of right this second, they don't have an opponent for him, unbelievably. All right, so last thought before you get swallowed up by the protesters. There's a lot to clear yeah. up now between, well, legally, for Connor to get through. Do you expect a fight in the future between Connor and Khabib? And if so, what do you think would happen? Okay, this is all that I can say that I expect right now. They told us that 2.15 Eastern Time, 11.15 Pacific, um, he is going to be arraigned. Uh, I'm not a veteran of these situations, but what one of the cops told me was that it shouldn't take very long. They'll set a court date, they'll set bail, and he should be able to walk out of here on his own. Whether or not he's allowed to fly back to Dublin remains to be clear, uh, remains to be seen. I was actually told by one of the cops, a lot of them are like huge fans of his, which is kind of you know funny that they're all like taking part in all this, told me that uh, he's downstairs at the courthouse shadow, shadow boxing and has been very uh, cooperative with everyone involved. I mean, it's just a surreal scene. Um, as far as can he fight, will he fight? Look, I think Dana White, who I've been critical of in the past, the way he's sort of lost his passion, his way since the sale, I think he's handled this whole situation very well. I think he's said all the right things. Um, they're not cutting Connor. Do not think that for a second. He is the biggest star in the history of the sport. They need to 
you know, they, they need to weather this storm and circle the date November 3rd, um, which is the UFC's next date at Madison Square Garden. That, to me, seems like the most logical date for him to return. However, I will say, as you know, New York has been very hesitant to embrace MMA. In fact, they were the last state to legalize MMA. And what transpired in the last 24 hours, I think, uh, doesn't bode well for many more shows coming here, at least for now. These are obstacles that UFC is going to have to overcome, even though they're such a big moneymaker. But I think if, if, if you want to think about a time frame, if all goes well, if there's no legal ramifications, he doesn't go to jail, all that stuff, I've always been told that November um, would be the best guess right now. So much could change, but that's, that's what I was told before all of this. He is stationed adjacent to that Brooklyn courthouse, a journalist for MMAfighting.com, host of the MMA Hour and the MMA Beat. Ariel Hawani, my guest. Ariel, great job. Well done. Once again, I should have done it sooner. I'm not going to wait nearly as long next time. And extremely well done by you. I used to listen to you all the time with my mom, and uh, she got a great thrill when I told her that you finally called me, Jim. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Keep up the great work. The clones. Heading into the weekend, let me ask you this. How's your car look? You know you're going to get it out. You want to make sure that your sled is looking fresh. Like sports, car care is a game of numbers. And the very best number for your car is 303 Automotive Premium Protectants and Cleaners. Designed to clean, shine, and protect 303 products undergo rigorous testing to ensure superior performance and outstanding protection and to bring out that show car finish. Here in SoCal, it's going to be a beautiful weekend. I'm going to get my rig out. Trust me, it's going to be looking tight from your dashboard to your tires. 303 keeps your car looking new, longer. 303, we've got your number. For more information, check out my friends at 303radio.com. That's 303radio.com. Dear Jim, many people loved watching Sergio Garcia play horribly because they have seen him throw his clubs, spit in the hole, and berate members of the gallery. However, I had the good fortune to meet him yesterday, and he was very approachable and extremely generous to me. Signed, The Water Hazard, in front of the 15th green. I didn't spit, I just let it go down, but anyway. War Titleist Pro V1s. Unwar range balls, signed Denlesk's aspiring ball washer attendance. Attendant. All right, so what about that offending champ? Let's just, before we close the door on that, let's take one look back. How did old Surge do yesterday? The good news is he did make history at Augusta. Good news is he made history. The bad news is the worst kind of history at Augusta on Thursday. Sergio has put his fourth ball in the water at 15. Now what do you do? Once again, keeping the point between himself, he winds up being able to take about three steps to his left. Same shot, another 70-yarder. This one a little bit right of the hole and past the hole, but this has even more spin on it. This one is racing back. It's caught the slope. Now off the green. They're going to make a stack of Sergio's golf balls in the pond right there. A fifth ball in the water at hole 15, and it has come apart. I'm not going to say I lost it, but I definitely stopped winning it. Nobody has ever won the Masters on a Thursday, but plenty of guys have lost it, including Submergio. Hey-o! Submergio Garcia, back to back to back to back to back. Callaway Chrome Softs in the drink. This guy went and dunked two sleeves of rocks into the creek on 15. Five straight shots in the water. And if he didn't jug a 20-footer to get the hell out of there, it would have been even worse. 
My man put a 13 on his card. A 13. Three holes worth of golf. I'm telling you right now. I could roll up to my club. And I do belong to a club. And I don't play. I could roll up to my club. Pull any bat from the pro shop. Peg it up at any par 5. On that track. And I could get in in under 13. And I don't even play. I guarantee it. I know it. No question. How many of you muni hacks listening right now have ever written a 13 on a card? Any of you? Ever? And for the record, that was the highest score ever recorded at number 15 at Augusta National. Way to go, Submergio. You're making quite a name for yourself out there. And here's the kicker. This guy's got no shot at making the weekend, even making the weekend as defending champ, unless he comes out and he fires a 62, which he won't because nobody will. But despite that fact, he's got to hang around all weekend long just so he can help whoever does win that tournament into their new green jacket. My advice, go into town on Saturday, get some scuba gear, and go fish out those rocks from 15 because chrome softs are not cheap. And Sergio just left about 40 bucks worth of them in the drink. Nobody thought that Sergio was going to go back-to-back, but going back to back, to back, to back, to back, and make 13. That's the most Sergio thing ever. And I don't care how well he handled that yesterday. Still the most Sergio thing ever. Congrats on the Baker's Dozen, Serge. Enjoy 18 more today. And a great weekend watching golf like the rest of us. And we'll see you in the butler cabin when you throw that blazer on the next guy's shoulders. Four. Five. Back to back to back to back to back. 13. Have any of you ever written the number 13 down before? Rex Hoggard. Rex, good morning. How are you? Best tradition ever. Thanks for having me on, Jim. My man. Good to have you back, Rex. So before we get into what happened yesterday, set the scene for everybody right now. How does the course look right now? How is it playing today? A little bit tougher. The winds have come up a little bit. You're seeing that in the scores. I mean, Jordan who looked like he was in absolute complete control yesterday, starts double bogey-bogey, and suddenly we have eight guys tied for the lead. And and that's the Masters. And it really, I love the way he said it yesterday. Jordan looks at this as a six-round tournament. You have Thursday, Friday, and then you break the nines up on the weekend. And it's completely different golf course, completely different scenarios. And that's what makes it so entertaining. You know, in terms of Jordan, you've got a great piece up on GolfChannel.com that starts with him talking to a group of reporters earlier this week, and then he ends that conversation, Rex, by saying, quote, I've got to head up to this champion's locker room. What did that little line, subtle as that might be, tell you about Spieth and where he was from a confidence standpoint coming into the tournament? Well, and I just kind of did it to show how far he has gone in the last, really, just two weeks since I last talked to him in Austin. He was lost. I mean, he said there was panic in where his game was. And the reason behind that, he hadn't played like he wanted to so far this season. And this is by far the most important event to him on the calendar. And he wants to be at his absolute best. And he found something last week at Houston, got himself into contention on Sunday, got to feel a little bit of the nerves, what he was going to experience at Augusta, put in some more work this week. And we saw yesterday what he can do. I mean, his iron play has been great for two years. It's that putting, that magical putting that makes him just a different kind of player, that makes him so special that it's been missing. But he was 10 for 10 from five feet in. And if you can do that at Augusta, then you are going to do very, very well. 
Rex Hoggard joins us from Augusta. Rory McIlroy, Rex, played the final 11 in 300 yesterday. He joined Matt Kuchar atop the leaderboard this morning. One of the things that Rory said earlier this week was that in the past, he maybe gave that course too much respect. What did he mean by that, and how do you think he'll change that as he approaches this year? I think everyone shows up here. When you take the ride off Washington Road onto Magnolia Lane, you just start getting the butterflies, even if it's a week before. You still just you start feeling it. You start understanding how much history and everything that's happened on this golf course. And by that, I think Rory shows up and he wants to treat it like a major, which means don't make big numbers. Keep making pars. Pars are good scores. You're going to get your birdies on the par fives. And his example was, it was a great example, last year on Thursday, the wind was howling. And he shoots a 72 and feels like, wow, I, I did well. And looks at the leaderboard and Charlie Hoffman shot a 65. And I think he's allowed himself to sort of get behind the eight ball. The last few years, the one thing I love about Rory this week is he compared it to 2015 when he showed up at Augusta and all he needed to do was win that green jacket and complete the career grand slam. Only five players have done that in the history of the game, and he let that get to him that year. You don't see that at all. I think he's entirely much more comfortable with his situation and what this would mean historically. Rex Hogger joins us. You know, so if you talk about Rory saying a 72 is not a bad thing, it might even be a good thing, then you've got Tiger Woods, and a lot of the talk coming in was about Tiger and his return. He made it sound like his 73 yesterday was a good thing. What do you make of the way he played? Well, we talked about it in Tampa, in Bay Hill. This was the old Tiger, right? Something close to it, something close to what we saw in 2008, 2007, where he put himself in the contention. Other guys start looking at leaderboards. He didn't pull it off. But it was still good to see, and it built all this excitement. And I would argue that yesterday's 73 was exactly what he always does. Just like those rounds on Sunday, this is what he does on a Thursday at the Masters when he doesn't have his A game. He's able to grind out and turn what should have been 76, 77 maybe, into a 73 and keep himself right in it. Now, he's got to put something on the par today. He knows the pressure's on if he's going to get back into this tournament. But it, it was not a bad start. I know it didn't look great on the scorecard, but considering what he was working with, it's exactly what we've come to expect from Tiger. Rex Hoggard, senior writer for GolfChannel.com, joining us. Rex, Tony Finau got off to kind of a slow start today, but how impressed were you with the way he played that first round in four under after nearly completely destroying his ankle the day before in that par three contest? Jim, I was in the Marines, and that's the toughest thing I think I've ever seen. I mean, I can't imagine how in the heat of the moment I asked him, have you done that before, you know, to dislocate your ankle and pop, pop it back in immediately? And he said, no. And if it was me, I'd still be writhing in pain on the eighth hole over on the part three golf course. And I didn't have very high expectations for that reason. Because in a golf swing, a golf swing as powerful as Tony's, you have a lot of weight, a lot of force going into that left ankle. And it was an extremely impressive round. And I can imagine, I watched him on the range a little bit this morning. It looked like he was being a little bit more aggressive. So I would expect him to get right back into it. It was really impressive. Rex, I was never in the Marines, and they would have put me in the ground about 24 hours ago if that would have happened. I'd be six foot under right now. I would have called it a day. And this guy pops right back up. I loved it. I thought it was amazing. So you and I talked Jordan. We talked Rory. We talked Tony. We talked Tiger. Phil Mickelson and Patrick Reed are right there as well. Could you see either or both of them contending on Sunday? Uh, you know, even before Phil won a few weeks ago in Mexico, it's a really good field. It's just there's something that turns the 47-year-old into the 17-year-old when he shows up here. He just gets excited. You know, in recent years, I've really been fascinated by this idea that when he comes off the golf course after a bad round, he says he has a hard time focusing. He can't really concentrate. That he loses sort of focus during the round and makes these stupid errors. That doesn't happen at Augusta. It's the one place that always gets his attention. 
And it's because since his first days here, this is really what matters the most to him in his career. He wants to win another green jacket. And you add on the fact that it was a commanding performance in Mexico and that he seems to have found something, not just in his swing, but also in his short game. And, I, I mean, if you can imagine the different scenarios that we have running through our heads right now, I don't know that there's a better one than having Phil in the hunt on Sunday. Except maybe the cat himself. Now, Rex, I thought the defending champ handled himself with a great deal of composure yesterday. What do you make of Sergio's act? Uh, I don't know about you. I have never pumped four balls into the water on the same hole. I usually never. pick up after two. No, nobody I know has ever done that but Sergio. What was going through your mind watching that play out? It was a little surreal. You know, the first one, it was a six iron. It was kind of a tricky shot. He is Sergio. He's a defending champ. So I know what he was thinking, trying to pull it off. And just got a little unlucky there, to be honest with you. But then when you take a drop and you do it once and then you do it twice with a wedge in your hand, someone said, you know, it was just his competitiveness that took over. I guess that's one way to say it. <laughs> I would say bullheadedness. I would say stubbornness. I mean, because he was determined to hit that shot. And by God, I'm going to make this work. And what really doesn't help him in this scenario, and he handled it great, by the way. I mean, he handled it the way the defending champion should. But if there were other players that had been doing the same thing and there was maybe some issue with the firmness of the greens or where they placed the pin, no one else really did it. It was just Sergio being Sergio. Yeah, I mean, you can call that whatever you want, bullheadedness. I'm going to say ignorance, stupidity, but you're right. He was not giving up on that. He was going to make his point, and he sure as hell did. Now, Rex, you've been coming to the Masters for years, and it is work. This is not a vacation for you by any stretch. But at the same time, what kind of feelings do you get when you start to make the drive down to Augusta, and then you arrive at that course itself? Does it still feel special? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's been really cool the last few years with the drive, chip, and putt which is on the Sunday before, and the kids. and Now we get to get to the golf course earlier. Because I always said you try to get to the golf course on Monday morning if you're going to come to the Masters. Because that's as good as the golf course is going to look all week long. I mean, it's pristine and everything's in place, and it's just absolutely perfect. But uh, the highlight of my week, really, is watching people walk in on Monday and seeing the look on their face. Because, you know, you can't do this justice on TV. You can't do how much elevation change. There's 120 feet of elevation change on the 10th hole from the tee down to the fairway. I mean, it's hard to wrap your mind around what this place looks like. And you can stand on the, you know, under the tree behind the clubhouse and look all the way down to Amy's corner and, and look all the way down to the 18th tee. I mean, it, it's just a visual that you can't compare or, you know, I'm a writer and I could never put it into words. Right, so the Tiger Nation awaits on your very last word. Rex, how do you think he does today, and what do you expect from him for the rest of the weekend? I think he does rebound today. I think he puts himself right back into the mix. Uh, it's going to take, again, a very, very good round. Now, that being said, we've seen some cracks in the armor. I mean, there are still some holes in that game that he has to fill in. We saw it on Sunday in Tampa. I mean, he needed a birdie on that last hole and his iron off the tee because clearly he's not comfortable with the driver. And then he does it again on 16 at Bay Hill the, week, the next week and hits it left of left. I've never seen anyone hit it that far left. So he has some issues. He needs to work out. If anyone can do it, he can. But I just don't know if his game is quite ready to put himself back into the hunt on Sunday afternoon. I think he, he could probably put himself back into the hunt. I don't know if he can close quite yet. All right, Alvin, are you ready now? Another great week here in the jungle. This is something we do every single Friday. Alvin DeLauro grinds this thing out. It's literally the best four to five minutes in radio, all of radio. This is a look back at the week that was here in the jungle. 
Welcome to the jungle. A tremendous Monday to you. My name is Jim Rome. What's going on? Welcome to the show. Got a great Monday program for you. Let's get some right now. Championship game tonight. Now, before I get into tonight's game, let me go back to Saturday night. Villanova wins it 95-79. And the national championship. If this were anybody other than Michigan, I'd ask, why are we wasting our time with this? Just give the Cats their trophy right now. Michigan's great defensively, but I can't take them here. All we are is dust in the wind. Our game plan went to crap. Morbidly yours, Kansas. Oh, come on. Matt Norlander joining us. He's live in San Antonio. Jalen Brunson's the national player of the year. He could have a subpar game tonight, and Villanova could still win by double digits. The horn is gone! Did you say you watched the Women's NCAA Championship? (laughs) (laughs) Very funny, Rome. You just said April Fool's Day does not jump the weekend. I said I watched it with the fam on Easter. Rick Welts. My phone rang, and it was Bill Russell. His comment was, what the hell has happened to the standards? What? You can call this guy a lot of things, but overrated is not one of them. Who shouts overrated at a guy who homered three innings earlier? Don't be dumb. Taking a giant curly growler into Ray's Creek. Ah. Almost assuredly, any call that involves the word growler is going to end like that. Tony Luffman. Rome, we cannot discuss the city of Nashville without first paying tribute to the great J.D. His first phone call to the jungle. Shumbo. Shumbo. Unforgettable. Let's play some basketball. Round and round, round it goes. DiVincenzo, three on the left wing. Good again! Last night, this guy became the first player to crack 30 points since Miles Simon. And if you're besting a Miles Simon title game, then you know you had yourself a good night. City of brotherly love, the city of champions. Hat 40, what are the odds that you would have said that that player would be Dante DiVincenzo? There's no doubt he would have been down the list of uh, potential suspects. It was incredible. Email. Going over basketball does not mean as much to the folks in that area because you're not a true fan until you slam horse crap. (laughs) Benjamin Watson is my guest. doing well, man. You make me feel like a boxer coming out of the uh, the corner or something, man. (laughs) Custard Castle. Money. I'm going to kick you out of you. I turned him over five and four, mate. He was I'm going to flatten that nose and you're going to get to pick where you want it flat. What are you, a some kind of a clown? Popped out of this pimple that's just burst like a zit. Wow, dude, is that what a zit sounds like? It's 9.52 and Michigan still sucks. Struck him out swinging. But the guy had two home runs in the season opener on Thursday. They were clearing space in Monument Park for him. Less than a week later, they're booing the same guy. It's April freaking 3rd. Settle the hell down. Yes, indeedy. Dana White, do you have a sense about how he feels about losing that belt? He's not thrilled about it, but you know, Connor is a really smart kid. You just can't let the division sit around like that. It's not fair to everybody else. I think Connor gets that. And I've got no idea how long it's going to last. I just know that I've got to see it myself. And that's exactly what I'm going to do this weekend because this dude is putting on a show and I don't want to miss it. Gerard Gallant is my guest. What that arena in Vegas is going to be like for that first playoff game. It's going to double what it's been all season long. The guys can barely, barely hear me now when I'm trying to change the line. We just can't wait for it. Email. What do you have against La Habra? How would you like to get your ass kicked out of the OC, Fountain Valley? Santa Fe Springs. Not good enough. Do better. Seal Beach. What a sorry-ass excuse for a beach. Hall of Famer Ray Allen joining us. It was tough as a person because bonds are created in this game. To see that change just because you move teams is disappointing. You got to go to the Yacht Club and do what you do there. I'm trying to take a break from that. I got a job. I got to work. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) God, John Carlo. I hate to say I told you so, but I literally told you so. That's why you don't boo this guy on April 3rd, because he will do that on April 4th. Whoa! The horse 
bother me, but I got up though like a champ. Respect, dog. Respect. That's pretty damn cool. No, man, you pop right back up. I'm a beast. Jeff Passin. Then smack me, you, everybody here listening, particularly the clones, because most of them don't have jobs. A million dollars a year is an incredible thing. Whoa. Don't hurt about We're an athlete. This guy is. Ever snap your foot off your leg and ever try to reattach it yourself? You want to grab 30 friends and come this down This is a here. huge Conor McGregor house, but I can't stress this enough. That was one of the dumbest, most moronic, ridiculous things I have ever seen in my life. Surprise, motherfucker! It's disgusting. Email. This whole McGregor thing isn't staged. Signed, pro wrestlers who get putting coffins on stage after a match. Ariel Helwani is my guest. This is some kind of WWE storyline. I mean, you've absolutely lost your mind. Although, I don't condone what he did yesterday. Fat ass. It was, it was just Rocking. I can't let him hold me down. Brea, what are you looking at? The triple coilers. Talking about the balls. Overrate this. Mario Speedwagon didn't want any of that. And all over the home. Best tradition ever. Kutcher. About time you call me, Jim. Two hours. Trust the process. Man, he's fresh. Squid the sand. Good night now! Barry Trotz is the head coach of the Capitals. He joins us again. Barry, it's so good to have you back. How are you? How are things? I'm good, Jim. How are you? I'm doing great, Barry. Thank you very much. You dropped a tough one in Nashville last night, 4-3, but after the game, you did say you like what you see from your guys and the way they're playing right now. So what do you like about what you see, and do you feel like this team is ready for the postseason? Well, I think, uh, you know, in the past we've had some uh, – towards the end we've had a little bit of room uh, to breathe, and, and what happens, your game slips. Uh, uh, guys are just trying to get to the postseason, uh, not uh, – nicked up and all that so you lose a little edge in your game and I think we've played right through that we've had a couple of tough games last weekend uh beating Pittsburgh uh in Pittsburgh in a in a real big game and then the next night uh, against St. Louis is very desperate in St. Louis and winning both those games and uh you know playing a, the number one team who is uh, trying to a clinch the division and uh and win their president's trophy so uh We've played three really good playoff teams, a real good uh, test for us as a as a group. And in each game, we've played very, very well. I like the pace of our game. Uh, I like our commitment. I, I would say we probably didn't have enough skin in the game as as we uh, that you would probably like in the, that you'd see in playoffs. But that's probably normal when you're you know one game away from the playoffs. So and you, you're really not playing for any seating or anything. But I like the way our our guys are committed to the details of the game uh, right now and, and playing quickly. Barry Trotz joining us. I like it. Now, as I mentioned off the top, you've had more than 100 points in every season that you've been in charge there, and you've won three straight divisional titles. You see, when you do it every single year, people almost become accustomed to it, and they take it for granted. But you know differently. When you look at what the grind of the regular season is, how much pride is there for you and the team in four years of 100 points and those three straight divisional titles? Uh, I think people in the business that that live the business uh, day in and day out, they know, A, how hard it is just to make the playoffs uh, in this league. Uh, it's, there's so much parity. There's so many good teams. Uh, there's going to be a lot of good teams that don't make it. Um, to be consistent, uh, as we have been, uh, you know, back-to-back President's Trophies, uh, you know, uh, 400-point seasons and now our third division title, um, it, there is a lot of pride in that in the fact that, uh, you know, this year we – you know, a lot of people were picking us not to maybe make the playoffs or just get in. Uh, no one, I, I think, I don't, I don't know of anybody who said that we win the division. We've added a lot of, uh, of people because we lost a lot uh, last year. So I, I, my biggest pride is in the culture that we've created in the last four years, um, that winning is important. And, and no matter what, it's sort of that next man up mentality. Um, 
and, and I, that's where I put the most pride in, and that says a lot about our core. It says a lot about what we've done in the last four years. So I, I take a lot of pride, and, and we, we have the goal that most teams have is winning a Stanley Cup. And uh, Unfortunately, we haven't been able to do that the last two years. Uh, we haven't been able to get by the Pittsburgh Penguins, who have won back-to-back Cups, but no one's got by them. So um, I guess there's, there's, you know, there's not much we can say until we get by them, but uh, no one's been able to get by the Penguins the last two years. Barry Trotz, my guest. Barry, go back to that point about culture, because it seems to me, I don't care what sport you're in, no great teams can be great without having that great culture. And the thing is, it's not like you've been rolling out the same guys every single year. There really was significant roster turnover after last season. So how do you maintain that same culture and the same winning ways when you have a bunch of new guys in that room? Well, I think you have to trust trust the process. I mean, uh, we knew that we weren't going to be the same team. We didn't have the, the same talent base. We had a lot of, you know, we were running. Uh, we had a, a major injury to a guy named Matt Neskinen, who uh, is, is a major player on our on our defense. Uh, he went down for six weeks to start the year. We were playing three rookie defensemen uh, that had combined, I think, two NHL games between the three of them, and we're playing those three guys and and uh, knowing that. Uh, we just have to go through the growing pains and just stick with it and don't panic. Let it, let it grow. And I think uh, having the good culture that we had already established, it allowed everybody to just take a breath, calm down. It's going to be all right. Just you know, let the process uh, happen. And I think in good organizations, um, in, in sport or business, you have a culture that understands and doesn't panic the, at the first sign of uh, uh, of adversity or anything and you see that in sport you see that in the new england patriots uh, uh probably the gold standard in football you see it in 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 baseball and you see it in other sports and you see it in hockey the, the uh, teams that have a really good class for a long time and and are competing at least for the playoffs or in the playoffs every year Capitals head coach Barry Trotz talking culture with us. You know, you and I have talked in the past about Alex Ovechkin and what a special player he is. Last month, Barry, he scored his 600th career goal. And before last night's game, he was honored for playing in his 1,000th game. What do those two numbers mean to you? And what's it say about him as a player? Well, you know, what amazes me about Ovi is, uh, you know, let's, let's just talk about the, the 600 goals. He's done it in an era where a lot of people say it's a dead puck era. And, and and really, where the the, the fence are are better, the the, the schemes are better. Uh, just the game is there's not as much room. Uh, it's a workman's league with a high skill, and Ovi's been able to do it all the time uh, consistently. He's this is he's won the Rocket Richard I think six or seven times, probably seven this year now. Um, and what he's done it so quickly. His numbers based on 600 goals in the number of games he's played is is astounding because there's not anybody scoring 92 goals a year or 77 goals a year like the, there was in the 70s. Uh, you hit 50. There, I don't, if Ovi hits 50 this year, he'll be the only guy to do that. So to put up those numbers in the, in the number of games is, is just absolutely astonishing. And then to play 1,000 games, he's the first one from his draft class to do that. But he is a physical guy. He's not a, a, a guy that... Uh, doesn't get involved. I mean, he is a wrecking ball, and to not have a, you know, an injury where you've missed significant time, uh, his durability uh, is incredible. He's a he's a little bit of a freak of nature because he's a big man who plays a high skill game and he's fearless. So um, it's been a pleasure to 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 watch him. I, I've seen him his 500th and his 600th goal. Uh, you realize how great he is. He's the greatest goal scorer of his generation.
You know, Barry, to your point about 92 goals, I mean, I can't help but laugh about that. Is that not the most astounding thing you could ever imagine? 92 <laughs> goals in a single season? It, it is. I mean, I, I start looking, you start looking at the numbers that Gretz put up. Uh, he had a 200-point year. I mean, that if you had a 200-point year now, you would be like, this guy's not even uh, human. And uh, it's, uh, it's astounding. So, uh, you know, if you could take his uh, Ovi's number and and, and this this era and calculate it, and they have ways of doing that, uh, you'd be he'd have pretty impressive numbers. Then again, Gretz didn't seem human back then, right? Ninety-two goals, two hundred points. You know, there was some he, he great. Wasn't. He is the best. I mean, has there ever been anybody better? And, and explain this, Barry, for those who are maybe a little bit younger who didn't know. When you look at Gretz, if you didn't know Wayne Gretzky, and if you didn't know the mind he had for the game and the vision for the game, and you just looked at him as an athlete, you would never think there was anything exceptional about him at all. What was it that made him the best? Uh, I, I think you know his ability to to process, his ability to calculate, uh, to see the ice. Uh, he used deceptions. He used he used his God-given talent to decipher the game at a different level. He was really, to me, he was like the Einstein of hockey in his era. And uh, the the one question I always I always hear is, you know, who is the greatest player of all time? And that is the, the greatest player of all time has has not been born yet because it's evolution. So. I always look at who was the greatest player in his generation and, and the biggest um, degree of separation from, you know, the good players and the great ones. Gretz had a – there was a, a big gap between Gretz and everybody else. Uh, Bobby Orr in his era, uh, you know, Sid Crosby would be one of them and, and, and Alex in this era. So, you know, the next era, is it, uh, you know, is it a, a Connor McDavid or is it a Austin Matthews? Uh, but there's an era when that we got you know a 10 to 12 year period where players are in their prime. Uh, how much separation do they have from the field, if you will? It's a, it's like uh, horse racing. You know, it's like Secretariat won by, you know, uh, uh, an outstanding number of uh, of lengths and to, to win the Kentucky Derby, and and you know, that's the greatest horse ever. So um, I think it's generational uh, because everything is is just evolving all the time. Well, now you're preaching to the choir when you talk horse racing. So a final thought then, you and I have talked in the past about some of the great young players in the game, and in particular, Barry, about the speed of the game right now. So how much has the game changed over the past few years, and then how much does that impact how you approach it as a coach? Well, it, it evolves. I mean, uh, right now, I, I, this level of, uh, of skill and speed in the game has never been reached before. I mean, uh, every era has... Uh, Great teams and and great players and and uh, but this level of uh, young players it's just it's the evolution of training it's the everything from internet to uh, uh, technology in terms of sticks and skates and and the teaching tools and the the video players are much more prepared uh, much more aware uh, have the resources to 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 become those great athletes and uh, it's the coaching has gotten better so. Uh, the, you look at a guy like Connor McDavid coming in, uh, and, and a guy like Austin Matthews. I mean, they they barely miss a, a beat, and they become the top players in the league very quickly. So, um, right now, the league has never been faster. It's never been as skilled, um, and it's probably never had as much parity as it does right now. Good night now. We've got all the news right here. I'm gonna stop you right there. I see you about to settle on a day-old donut for breakfast. Well, this is a chick intervention. Because McChicken Biscuits and Chicken McGriddles are now at McDonald's. So just hit that drive through and change your life. For breakfast, you got this. 
Wake Up Breakfast. Say good morning to McChicken for breakfast. Right now at your local McDonald's, you can mix and match two chicken McGriddles or McChicken biscuits for just $3. Price and participation may vary at participating McDonald's for a limited time.